You're in for a great message today. Listen in as Tammy Hodson-Pillar from Influence Church shares at our annual Awake Women's Conference. Listen in. And um, I've been in ministry for it'll be 42 years this year. Um, we've been pastors. And um, God, can I write some stories? I mean, it's been a journey. But um, God just keeps revealing himself. The precepts of the Lord are new every morning. And you got about the time you think you know God, like he's facets. You know, like a diamond. And you turn it and you see another part of them. And I'm beginning to move into more of the supernatural part of God that I didn't understand because I wasn't raised that way. You know, there's like subcultures in everything. In Christianity, there's subcultures. Like there's Baptist, you know, there's Episcopals, there's Charismatics. They're weird. <laughs> and I'm like becoming like them because I'm getting like this supernatural encounters with God. And so a few years ago, I was at, in Kansas City, and there was something called IHOP. And it wasn't International House of Pancakes. It was International House of Prayer. And so I went to it, and I had what was what my first open vision. And I didn't know what that meant. These, you know, there's lingo in Christianity. Now that some of you are like walking with Christians and they have Christianese, it's like a whole new language you have to learn, right? It's like, what's this Christianese language? I, I don't really know it. And there was this thing called an open vision. Nobody said that to me. I just had one. And I was sitting there as I was really interceding, kind of like Bethany was praying. And she just, when you have the presence of the Holy Spirit and you're having encounters, he gets all up in your business and he shows you facets of him. And he is just so madly in love with you. And I was praying and there was a table and I was sitting at this table and I'm putting this puzzle together. There were just thousands of puzzle pieces all over the table. And I looked over to look at the box and the box was white. There wasn't an image on it. And the Holy Spirit spoke to my spirit and he said, Tammy, I'm not going to show you the picture or else you'll try to put the puzzle pieces together. I'm bringing the puzzle pieces together one by one. And you see, guys, when you think you know what the picture looks like in your life, you don't need God. If you wake up every morning and today is a puzzle piece of your life, one puzzle piece, today is a picture, you'll, you'll have a shift There'll be something new, you'll think different, you'll meet someone, you'll have an encounter, and it's a little piece of the puzzle of your life. And so when I came back, I made all these puzzle piece necklaces. All, we all wear them, and today, of course, none of us, for some reason, have them on. What up with that? And I mean, everywhere I go, I take puzzle piece necklaces. And so I was speaking in Arizona last week, and the leader of the ministry had heard my story. So she had this puzzle piece necklace made for me, this gold one with the little diamonds. Mine's just a little cheap silver one that I wear around. And she said, your puzzle piece story changed my life. And so I don't have a puzzle piece necklace, but I'm going to get one. Where is Amelia? Amelia, come here, girl because we're just shaking hands this morning. And she told me about it. She said, tell me about your puzzle necklace. And so I want to get Amelia puzzle necklace. So this is a Jessica and she's my assistant. So if you'll find out how we can get one, we'll either get it to Rosie or we'll get to Crystal or somebody. But I want you to know, girl, that, um, and you just told me a story, a song. She wrote a poem about puzzle pieces. And um, I want you to get that to Jessica because I, I wanna hold that close to my heart. But today God's got something special for you. Today is one puzzle piece of the picture of your life, just one. And it's, call, it's calling you, it may, be, it may be that you're gonna be writing, it may be that your poem and your song is gonna be a part of our record label. We got a record label. Who knows, who knows what? Just send it to me, girl. Who knows? But, but every day, every day is a puzzle piece of your life. 
and don't assume you know what it looks like. Just receive it in Jesus' name. So I don't have it to give to you right now, okay. but I'm going to give you this until you get the puzzle piece necklace, okay? So you put this on, and you just hold on to that, and you know that God's making all things new for you, okay, girly? Okay? All righty. Now, where is Icy? Icy, where are you, Icy? Icy, come here, girl. So I love to go around and just meet people. And I'm all about Story Club. We have something called Story Club. And as a life coach, what I do is I teach you how to tell your story. So it's actually a, a, it's six videos with me as a life coach just getting all up in your business. <laughs> but it's just us, so you know I'm just talking to you. And I'm talking to you about how to tell your story, what to tell and what not to tell. Do some of you know some of you say too much? Do some of you know the devils and the details? And you don't need to tell all the details. You need to know what to say and what not to say. Amen. You need to say enough to build a bridge into someone's life and then stop. So in this coaching video, I walk you through that and then it's a downloadable workbook. So we have given as many copies as you guys want to Teen Challenge, free for you. And uh, with that, um, we've got these great bags that you guys are gonna all take called Story Club. All right, so bags for all you guys. But I see, I'm going around and I'm talking to everybody like, what's your name, what's your name, what's your name? She says, my name's Icy. I said, there is a story in this name. <laughs> I've never met an Icy. And it was the rapper who? ICJ. Okay, so see, like, I'm a white girl. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm just like, I'm 10 and I'm old. And you put those two things together. So um, it was new to me, but I love you. And I just told her, I said, it's a great icebreaker. <laughs> so girl, here's a, little, here's a little bracelet. And this is from me to you. And I want you, it's a cross. And I want you to remember, it was this cross that, that really, not only did God save you, but he gave you purpose and destiny. He's got life over you. He's got something big for you. Every day that the enemy tries to tell you something else, you look right in the face of the enemy and call him out. He's a liar and the truth is not in him. Amen? All right, baby girl. Woo! Okay, and I have one more. One more, I gotta get to my message. Okay, I've forgotten your name and I apologize. Who's the girl, and I know you back here, and I said, you are fun. I said, you would be fun. There you are, yes, it was you. the corner and I said I want to be your best friend this girl is fun now remind me your first name Latoya Latoya of course it's Latoya now girl today's my birthday today's her birthday Woo! Latoya I want to give you a little bling I'm gonna give you a little bling but I want the bling is because that's who you are in Jesus okay you are beautiful. Thank you. You are his diamond. He loves you. He birthed you special, girl. Okay? Okay? You got a smile as big as Texas. Listen. Stay the course. Okay? Finish the race. Walk in his love. Know the power of Almighty God in you. He will never let you go. He will never let you go. Okay? okay. Happy birthday, girl. Thank you. Woo. Well, wow. I'm telling you, our church is going to be on fire tomorrow. 
These girls bringing home some Holy Spirit. I love my staff. I love my team. Um, I love our church. My husband and I are pastors of a church in Orange County called Influence Church. Our ministry is Women of Influence. And we believe that God has brought our paths together for a reason. And I just pray that we get to partner with you on more things because you guys have changed our lives. Well, anybody want anything new in the house? Anybody ready for some new? Ready to receive some new? I want to talk today about a new you. The new you, not the new you in God's eyes, the new you in your eyes, because you always were who God created you to be in his eyes. You just haven't seen who God's created you to be. I want to talk to you about your identity. Now, I don't know if you guys have paper and pen. Um, I'll say some things to you, and you'll go, that's good. But God will say some things to you, and you'll say, that's God. I love it when I speak and someone comes up and they go, oh, Pastor Tammy, when you said so-and-so, and I go, girlfriend, I didn't say that. Because you heard it differently than I said it. Because Holy Spirit is saying something to you. Does that make sense? Uh, about uh, three years ago, I was in South Africa doing some mission work, and we had been in the schools all week long, three to four schools a day, thousands of little children we were ministering to. And when we finished the last day of our time there, we were going to go on a safari. You can't go to Africa and not go to safari, right? And my husband and I had been ministering, and I just needed some time with my man. You know, in ministry, we give, we give, we give, but sometimes we just need a little attention too. I mean, I just need somebody to just put their arm around me and tell me I'm special. And we got back to our hotel room, and I said to my husband, hey, baby, would you go for a walk with me? It was like a little downtime. Everybody had a little R&R &R for 24 hours, and I just needed my man. And I looked at him, I said, baby, will you go for a walk? I love fitness, and I'm a Pilates instructor and a personal coach, and I just like fitness. And my husband looked at me and said, you know, I'm tired. I'm just going to lay here. <laughs> I think I literally said, are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> All that I do for you, I have followed you from church to church to church. I, for seven straight days, have preached to thousands of African children. You won't go for a walk with me? I don't think I said all of it, but I definitely thought it all. <laughs> and I said, fine. You know, you, you noticed the look, didn't you? Yeah, I get that once in a while. And I said, I'm going. And I turned around and I walked out, patting myself on the shoulder for all my good works, feeling so sorry for myself, <laughs> listening to my phone, with Kim Walker Smith singing, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come and fill the atmosphere. And worship is powerful because as I'm singing, Holy Spirit's prompting and he's releasing. And I start crying. And I think I started crying, first of all, I was exhausted. See, Holy Spirit will come to you when you're most broken and most vulnerable. Because until that time, you don't need him. And I was tired, and I was vulnerable, and I was broken. And I'm walking up this mountain in South Africa, Johannesburg, alone. And I got to the top of the mountain, and it was a beautiful hotel resort we were staying in. At the top was where they did weddings, and there was like a little altar area where they had fires and beautiful where the weddings were. I fell down. Just me. And I'm listening, singing, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come and fill the atmosphere. I'm singing my heart out. And I audibly heard God 
Now, I've never audibly heard him since, and in my spirit, all I can tell you is I know when I heard him, I turned around to see who was there because I, I, my senses heard him. But did I really hear God say, Tammy? I, I feel I did. I mean, I feel. Here's what I, f I heard him say to me. Tammy, I love what you love because I love you. I am the Holy Spirit. I wept and I wept and I wept and I wept because I felt the love of God. And then here's what he said, and here's how you know when Holy Spirit speaks. He's smarter than you. <laughs> he will say things to you you won't say to yourself. Here's what he said to me. This is good, this is deep, and this is for somebody. Never ascribe to man what only I can fill. I had been ascribing a place in my heart for my man, and he wasn't Holy Spirit. See, I had a place in my heart for Phil. Phil is my Phil, my husband. He's, I've been trying to get him to fill my heart. And Holy Spirit said, baby, I love what you love, meaning I love fitness, because you love fitness. If you saw my husband, he doesn't love fitness. <laughs> now this is good, it's deep on two parts. It's deep on two parts, okay? Never ascribe to man what only I can fill. Now listen, I had been ascribing in my life for my man to go, I mean, I've been trying to get him to work out with me I love because I love that, he hates it. And it's like, we laugh, but there's times where I'm like, you need it. <laughs> You're not videoing me, are you? You are videoing me. In Jesus' name, baby, forgive me. <laughs> All right. All right. But now listen, I was wanting him to feel this, but listen, I was putting on him something that was unfair. See, my thing with Holy Spirit is my thing with Holy Spirit. Don't try to make someone else love what you love. He loves what you love because he loves you. He made you that way. Does that make sense to you? And I came home from that experience and I started doing prayer walks. I went to our local park and I'm starting to just pray and walk and run. And I got home one day about three weeks later and I sat down at my laptop and 247 pages later I wrote my first novel, which is a romance novel with the Holy Spirit. Because I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Now I know you know what that means because you're in a wonderful organization and Teen Challenge knows how to help you understand not only the precepts of God and his word, but the intimacy of the Holy Spirit. And you need to understand the intimacy of the Holy Spirit. And I want to talk to you today about your identity. Because you may not be who you think you are. I don't think there's an area that women struggle with more than their identity. Because what we do is not who we are. What you do is not who you are. Most of us go, who am I? when you should be saying who I am? Let me tell you who I am. I'm a child of God. I'm a daughter of the king. I'm an heir to the kingdom. See, most of us walk around, who am I? Who am I? I have tried to find my identity for years. And I grew up, a lot of us have grown up, and maybe you too, in a religious home, a Christian home. I grew up in the Midwest in St. Louis. My parents had four daughters. And so the first daughter, I was the middle child. 
stuck in the middle with you. I mean, I'm one of those middle sandwich kids, right? My oldest sister was so smart and so pretty, and everyone loved her. She sang in the church choir, Melody Sue. Melody Sue, she was a good girl. I don't think she ever sinned. She was so good. My parents loved her. And then came along Debbie, and Debbie was the coolest hip thing. She walk in the room, girl, Toy, she was you. She walked in, I was like, I want to be her friend. She wore the mini skirt and she had the body for it. She was so cute. Deborah Denise. Then there was me. And I was kind of the chunky little girl. And I'd look at Melody, and the sinless one. She and Mother Mary and Jesus. And Debbie, the cool one. Then there was me. And then the little one came along, Diane Lee. Well, Diane Lee was born with dislocated hips and had to wear a cast the first nine months of her life. So all the attention of the family went to Diane Lee. And I knew when my mama would say, Melody, Debbie, Diane, I mean Tammy. Ever been there? Ever been there where it seemed like everybody was seen but you? And I wanted to be seen. There's lots of energy in me, lots of love in me, and I wanted to be seen. I just wanted to be known for me, Tamara Lynn. Not Melody Sue or Deborah Denise or Diane Lee. And I wanted to be me. And I never knew who me was. Started dating the preacher's boy. Got some attention then. She's dating the preacher's son. I was never Tammy. I was always, she's dating the preacher's son. Then I go off to college. I'm going to have a new identity. I'm going to find me. And I was engaged to the preacher's son until I outgrew him. Anybody ever outgrow a boy? You just realize you got more in you than he's got in him. <laughs> nice boy. I, too, had a conviction for purity, and so I kept my purity. Outgrew him, and there was this really cute boy on campus every girl wanted. And I got. <laughs> I'm making up for it, baby. And... Um, one day, one girl walked up to me who had been dating him, and she looked at me and she said, you're so lucky. He's so wonderful. Now, I've been married 42 years, and I still remember that. It made such an impact on me that I believed I just got lucky. He was wonderful, and I was lucky. So the first literally 10 years of our marriage, I lived every day thinking I got lucky. And if I'm not pretty enough or thin enough or smart enough or religious enough or know enough scripture or the people in the church like me enough, what if I literally just got lucky? Do you ever listen to the lies of the enemy? You just got lucky. If he looks to his right and to his left, he might find somebody better. Seriously, before God, the first two years of my marriage, he never saw me without makeup. Because what if he just realized I was lucky? And he was wonderful. I lived that lie for a long time. I've always been the pastor's wife. I always was the shadow of my husband. We've been ministering in lots of churches. We've been lots of places. We've been all over the country. We've lived in Europe. And I always went 
as the pastor's wife. Do we know what we do to women when we do that? Oh, she's the pastor's wife. I'm going to give you a sermon on she's the pastor's wife. <laughs> that, that should be a book. I never had my own identity. Can, you, can anybody in the house say yes? I don't, you may not be the preacher's wife, and I don't mean I was uh, Houston. What was her name? Remember the Whitney Houston? Anybody see the preacher's wife? Now that girl had it going on. I, you know, I ain't Whitney Houston. If you watch the movie, just whatever. But you're with me. It's like you get a label on you. Any of you ever been labeled? You've been labeled something. I want to talk to you about your true identity. It's not who you are. It's whose you are. It's whose you are. Let's talk a little bit about this. I am not who you think I am. I was brought in today as a speaker, the head of women of influence, a pastor, so I have all of those titles. I want to get past the title, and I want to get to the person behind the name. Uh, a few weeks ago, I sat down with a girl. We're going through all of our social media feeds, and you know, we all live in this day of social media, and we all look wonderful. I, you know, the funniest thing about being in ministry is I'll sit down and I'll counsel someone and coach a woman who's about done with her husband. She's going to serve in papers. Her kids are a mess. And then she puts up on social media, family time with the family, out to dinner, all is wonderful. See, that's what social media is doing to us. It's a facade. It's a lie. The enemy wants us to think everybody's life's together but ours. And I was sitting down with a girl who's helping me with my LinkedIn, and it was really, it was kind of light came on for me. And so she was working on my LinkedIn page, and she goes, well, tell me a little about you. And before long, I'm telling her, I've written these books, and I've done this, and I've done that, and I'm coaching, and we got women's empowerment, and we did And man, I'm just kind of feeling like, she hasn't given her a lot of material here. I'm going to have the best LinkedIn page out there. And she looks at me, and she goes, that's wonderful. You've told me everything you do, but who are you? Oh, girlfriend. I like, I had to take the sword out. Because I don't really know who I am. I'm a mother of three and a grandmother of six and a pastor's wife and I love to empower people and I have a light. Do you, do you realize all the things you say you do and you try to make that who you are? I want to strip you of everything you do and everything you have done. Come on now. Everything. I'm going to strip you down. Back to the garden when we were naked, not ashamed. I mean, if I can strip you of everything that you're covering yourself up with right now and get down to your true identity, you're going to see that you were made in the image of Almighty God and you're his girl. And he loves you dearly. He loves you dearly. Um, I'm going to show you a cute little clip. If you understand who your daddy is, we've got a clip here. If you understand who your daddy is, you can go anywhere and you can do anything. I'm going to set this up. Do we have it in a second? I think I got a little video here. Um, I was set it up with this. My husband, um, we were in our church in Denver, Colorado, and he had this um, all-access pass for his children. Now his, we call them secretaries or assistants today, but no one could come in and see the pastor without an appointment except his children. And when my kids walked in that office, Miss Faye knew the minute he walked in. They walked in, they could walk right by her desk, open-door policy into their daddy's office. So when I saw this video, it reminded me of that. Do we have that video? I want you to watch this. This 
live TV interview is about to get very interesting. Good to have you with us. Professor Robert Kelly was having a serious discussion about South Korea when things took an unexpected and adorable turn. His four-year-old daughter Marion marches into his home office and crashes daddy's interview. I think one of your children's just walked in. The political science professor does his best to shoo his daughter away and keeps on talking. I would be surprised if they do. That's until his nine-month-old son waddles in in a walker. Then his wife can be seen sliding in to round up the kids. It's turned into a full-blown scene. My apologies. Mom drags the kids out of the room, but it's not an easy task. My apologies. Once they are out of sight, she desperately shuts the door. You can still hear them screaming on the way out. And South Korea's policy choices on North Korea have been severely limited in the last six months to a year. The hilarious interview has gone viral. I just can't stop watching it on repeat, posted one viewer. I think the whole world needed that, writes another. In the end, the BBC anchor laughs off the adorable moment. That's the first oh, okay. time for everything. I, I think you've got some children who need you. I Lesson think we're here, good. Kids will be kids. Isn't that great? Yeah, I love that. And you know what? I love the response because it went viral. I went viral because for the first time we saw a real man whose kids had access into his heart. I want you to see that. It will go viral when people see that you have access into the King of Kings throne room, when you could go into your daddy's office at any time. No matter what God's doing in all of his creation, you have access into his office. And I love that. I love that. I just, I watch that and I've laughed over and over because I think, God, that would just be me. I'd be just, Daddy, I just want to come in. I don't care who you're talking to. Daddy, I'm coming in. And when you know you have that kind of access with the King of Kings, everything changes, everything changes. Don't confuse what you do with who you are. When I turned 50 several years ago, someone looked at me and they said, Tammy, if you could do it all over again, what would you do different? And without missing a beat, I said, I would have believed in myself sooner. I would have. See, who you see standing here today was not who I was even 20 years ago. It took a shift in my spirit. It took a shift in my identity. It took a shift in my confidence to realize that God had marked me with a purpose. God had a something on me, a destiny on me. And when that was unleashed in me, everything changed. Everything shifted. I'm going to say two things really quickly to you that I think are going to be really good. Number one, first, he created you. He created you. You, you are made in his image, you are his daughter, you are dearly loved, and you are highly favored. Now get this picture, you are made in the image of God, that's your identity alone. You are made, you look like God. You are creative, you are special, you are unique, and don't try to confuse anything else. Some of you are going to walk out of here with dreams and visions and ideas. You're going to start Fortune 500 companies. You're going to have great marriages. You're going to birth children. All of these wonderful things, that's not who you are. Please don't leave her today without understanding your identity is not what you do. It's whose you are. You are God's daughter. If you get that first, nothing else will matter. When you fail, when you mess up, when the husband doesn't do what he should, when the kids don't do what they do, when the company doesn't do what it does, you will not be a failure. You understand your identity is alone in him. You must understand that he created you. But then secondly, he breathed life into you. 
And when he breathed life into you, he breathed purpose and destiny and hopes and dreams and passions. So when I have a visual picture and I stop in the park in my prayer walk and I just start praising him because he created me in his image. He sees me, Tammy Lynn. He sees me. It's most important I understand that I am in his identity. Then I move into my creativity. Everything must follow after I understand my identity. Does that make sense to you? Because my best girls here will fail me. My husband will fail me. My children will disappoint me. My church will hurt me. But he will never leave me or forsake me. That's my identity. Does that understand? Do you see if we can understand our new identity the Bible tells us that we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old is passed away. Behold, all is made new. That's your identity. Your relationship with God is so important. Your relationship. Now, see, girls, listen to this. It's got to be a relationship, meaning he must relate. Have you ever felt like you don't relate to God? Most of the time, we don't feel like we relate because we're bringing all of our baggage with us. And he can't relate to our baggage. He said, let go of that stuff. That has nothing to do with you. You're trying to get me to relate with your stuff. Your stuff is your past. Let it go. A relationship is me simply coming with him, him looking into my eyes as I'm looking into your beautiful brown eyes. And girl, he did a good job on those. <laughs> yeah. That you're dearly loved and he's so proud of you. You know, there's a scene from a movie called Creed. How many of you have seen that movie? And there's a scene where Rocky's working with Creed. I love to tell this story, and I use it in coaching all the time. And Rock, you know, Creed, he just wants to kill him. He just, he's just out to, he's out to fight. And Rocky takes him over. He says, come with me. Come with me. He takes him over. Takes him to the mirror. What do you see? What do you see? And he's got him looking eyeball to eyeball with himself. And he says, until you beat the man in the mirror, you're never going to win. That's good. That's Hollywood. <laughs> but it's truth. When I coach people, I have them stand before a mirror and look at themselves in the eyes. This would be a good assignment for every one of your girls. And you look at yourself in the eyes. You can't look over at her. You can't look down. You look at yourself in the eyes and you say, I'm a beloved daughter of the King of Kings. And he knows my name. And he's madly in love with me. And when you can say that, and the guy in the mirror believes it, you understand your identity. That makes sense? It's going to be hard for most of you. It's hard for most of my coaching clients because we don't want to look at ourselves. We see shame or blame or disappointment. We see an external appearance that we're not proud of. God sees you. God sees you. And loves you. That's your identity. I'm going to take a moment and walk you through a passage of scripture that I dearly love. It's actually in the book of um, Judges. And it's about a woman named Deborah. Anybody hear the story of Deborah? Don't we all love her? She's a rock star. I'm telling you, this girl's a rock star. I want you to understand, she had to understand her identity. It's in the book of Judges, chapter 4. And I'm going to paraphrase the story for you, but I would encourage you to go back and read the whole chapter of Deborah. But it's a time in Israel 
when there was no man to step into the position of a leader. She was a prophetess, which meant that God gave her a word and she could see things. So she was prophesying over people. She could see things coming. God had given her the insight and wisdom and revelation to see things. So she was a prophet. But she was also the judge of Israel, the only female judge ever in the Bible, ever in the history of Israel. The Bible says there was not a man in the day. You know, God, it's like, God, you know, what is it? Adam can't figure it out, he's got to create Eve. The judges can't figure it out, he's got to bring along Deborah. Why is it so long for people to understand that women can do things that men can't always do? Okay, just saying, just saying. He does use us together, I understand, but we're stepping into our role right now, right? So Deborah is the prophetess and she is the judge. And God, now listen here, here, I don't know if this is new to some of you, and that's okay, because like God likes to get up in our business and shake things up and teaches things. So he's going to get up in your business. He's going to say, I want to speak to you. I want to teach you something. I might prophesy to you. It means give you a word from my heart. So God wants to say something. So Deborah was this prophet and God came to her. She ruled for 60 years. The first 20, it was all hell. I mean, Israel was being beat up and killed and slaughtered. And then God said to her, it's time now. Go to the commander and tell the commander, get 10,000 men in the army and go fight Canaan. She goes to Barak, who is the commander, and she says, hey, it's time now. God says, get the men, get the tribes, go out and win. Well, he gets all freaked out because Canaan is so much more powerful. They have artillery and they have machines and they have things that Israel didn't have. And so as a commander, he was a little nervous. But he saw, listen, he saw God's anointing on her. And he said, if you go with me, I'll go. If you go with me, now was it Deborah he wanted, the anointing he wanted, the power he wanted, I think all of them. She understood her identity. Now in a minute I wanna walk you through this because you're not Deborah, you're you. And a lot of times I read these things in the Bible, I wanna be like Deborah, and God goes, baby girl, no. He, oh, he calls me baby girl. Just didn't know, I wanna clarify that. Somebody gave me a shirt that said baby girl. I wore it to bed the other night, my husband said, Who, whose baby are you? I'm his baby girl. Don't you be messing with me. <laughs> All right. Don't try to be Deborah. Be Tamara Lynn. You fought to be Tamara Lynn. Be Tamara Lynn. All right. So here's Deborah. And so she says to Barack, go and fight. So now this is so good. So they go out and they get all of the, the men together. 10,000 of the, the tribes of Israel come together. The men of Israel, the troops of Israel come together and they're going to fight against Canaan and they're strategic. Don't you know when God's ready for warfare, he gets strategic. He gets strategic in your life. Start calling down strategies in your life. When I'm in my prayer time, I call strategy. God, give me a strategy, meaning let me see what you see. Show me how to fight in a way I don't know how to fight on my own. Sometimes it's to shut my mouth. The Bible says, put a watchman over my mouth, O Lord, guard the door of my lips. Sometimes I think my strategy is my big fat mouth or my wise counsel, and God says, no, you ain't got no strategy without me. Shut your mouth. <laughs> Somebody need to hear that word today? All right, now, are you with me? See, when God gives you a strategy, it doesn't always look like you think it's gonna look. So she got a strategy from God. She went to Barak, they got the strategy. They went out and they started fighting. And they're fighting all over and they begin wiping out the Canaanites. They're just wiping, it made no sense. See, on paper, God does not make sense. When little armies beat big armies, it makes no sense. And they're all being wiped out. Now, here's what Deborah, in her wisdom, said. She says to Barak, the big leader, the commander of all the armies, when he says, if you go with me, I'll go. I want your anointing, I want your power, I want your insight. And she said, I will go with you. 
but you must know that the hands of this war will be won in the hands of a woman. You will not get the honor as a leader. God is going to give the honor to a woman. She wasn't patting herself on the back because it wasn't going to be Deborah. It wasn't going to be Deborah. See, when God gives you a word for someone, let that word be for them without you. So often when God gives us insight, wisdom, or revelation for someone and we tell them, we want to gloat in it. You're just a mouthpiece. I think God used a mule, a donkey, a jackass, the Bible calls it in some translations. I'm, saying, I'm talking to somebody that thinks they're all up in God's business and know it all. I don't know, maybe none of you, but at the church we got some people like that. Now, did you follow what I was just saying? Deborah had enough courage, confidence, and leadership to know that it wasn't all about her. It was her raising up her people. See, when I sit on this front row and I, I'm crying as I'm watching Bethany speak, I'm crying as I'm watching Natalie speak, my job is to replace myself. My job is to get my team smarter than me. And weren't they amazing? Do you know that's your job? With a girlfriend, with a child, with a friend, with a colleague, Deborah was smart enough so she steps back, they're going to war, Barack does his thing, because he is a commander, he is a general, he's got skill, he's got strategy. Sisera is the guy on the other side of the opposing army who's trying to wipe everybody else. Well, he starts freaking out, because they're, they're wiping him out, they're dead all over. He's looking, his troops are gone, they're dead. So he jumps off of his horse, and he starts to run for a little village. And there stands a sweet little girl. Her name's J.L. And she looks at him and she said, are you looking for a place to stay? She knew who he was. She invites him in, come, you look exhausted. She says, I am neutral. And they really were, they were kind of in the middle of both. She was neutral as far as her location. She calls him in, come and you must be tired. He says, please give me water, I'm thirsty. She says, how about some warm milk? Mamas, we know what warm milk does. Puts him right to sleep. He nestles, the Bible says, down by the fire after she gave him some milk. And he says, if you hear anyone coming, wake me up. He falls fast asleep. He's exhausted. She goes into the back of the tent. She picks up a tent peg and a hammer. He's sound asleep. She drives that tent peg with the hammer straight through his temple, and she kills him. And the war is won in the hands of a woman named Jael. God had a purpose for his people, Israel. He used an unassuming young girl named Jael who had enough confidence to know her identity, her calling, her passion, who God created her to be. You see, when I look at this, there is a judge, a commander, and a woman. And they all understood their own identity. See, don't compare yourself with someone else. Don't ever compare yourself with someone else. One day, I believe we're going to stand and look into the eyes of Almighty God, and he's going to show us everything he had prepared us for. And some of us will be so greatly disappointed because we'll say we didn't see it. And he'll say, so many times I tried to show you. So many times I tried to tell you. So many times I brought people around you to speak into you what I called you to do. Know who you are and know who you aren't and put smarter people around you. 
Let them be who they are and you be who you are. Your identity is in Christ. I love that story and I really encourage you guys to go back and to read it. Individual identity. I will never be you, but I can be the best version of me. I want to um, take a moment. I want to walk you through a couple steps, and then I'm going to give you a little question time we're going to do before we go to lunch. Number one, these are real good. If you write these down, I think they'll help you. Number one, know who you are before you look for your role. Know who you are before you look for your role. And I think we might have these up here. Perfect. So had I known who I was before I tried to find myself as a pastor's wife or as my children's mother. Oh, oh, you're Jeremy's mom. I would go pick him up at school. Oh, you're Pastor Phil's wife. Oh, you're Charlene's daughter. I never knew Tammy Lynn. I never knew who I was because I was always someone else's something. Does that make sense to you? I found I'm a very creative person. God's just given me lots of creativity. And I've had clothing lines and I've had lots of products and I'm an author. And I can tell you all these things I've done with my life but that's not who I am. Once I can step out of everything I have done, everything I have, all of my children and my husband and the church and walk my way out of everything I think I am and finally just see who I am. Strip me down, which is not a pretty picture anymore. All I can say is grown old as hell. Can I say that word in here? Yes. I'm saying that because sometimes when we strip ourselves down, we don't like what we see. But when I strip myself down and I look in the mirror and I say, this is who you created me to be. God, you love me. You love me. Not for what I've done, but for who I am. So you must know who you are before you look for your role. Because let me just say this. Some of you are going to walk out here and you're going to get a job. And you're going to walk into a job, and that's going to become your identity if you don't watch it. Does that make sense? Some of you are going to get a banging cool job, a great job, a big job. And you're going to walk into that desk, and you're going to go, I am somebody. You're the same somebody you were when you walked in that room. Does that make sense to you? All right, number two. Let's look at this one. Number two. Get wise counsel from others. So often you think you hear the voice of God because it's the voice you want to hear. Okay? Now I'm saying this in all sincerity. The Bible talks about in the multitude of counsel there is wisdom. So when I feel that God's prompting something in my spirit, I have a couple girls, Lori's one of them, Lisa another girl, I'll go to them and I'll say, does this resonate in your spirit for me? Will you pray on this with me? Great opportunities come. Do you realize there's a verse in the Bible that says, God, that you would open doors that no man could shut, and would you shut doors that no man can open? Well, do you realize the converse is true? That if I don't pray that, doors are going to open. I should not walk in. There's a reason that Bible verse is in there, that I would pray, God, would you open a door that no man can shut, and would you shut a door that no man can open? If I'm not supposed to walk through this door, God, just because it looks good doesn't mean it's God. I've walked through a lot of good-looking doors. And I couldn't find God in there. Are you with me? So I've got to have a couple trusted people, not to tell me what I want to hear, but tell me what I need to hear. I've had these girls before tell me, Tammy, I love you, 
but you're exhausted and you're tired and you don't need to do one more thing. Here's another one right here, Jessica. I'm going to cry. I love this girl. And what God's done with her in the last four years is nothing more than a miracle. She's my assistant, and she didn't see herself here. I don't know. You're going to be sharing later? You're going to hear her story. And there's times where I'll come with an idea. She has permission to tell me no. Not many people's assistants have that permission. Because she knows I have so many ideas, I can get off on a whole nother rabbit trail. And she'll look at me and she'll go, do you really think we should do this? You know, you asked me to keep you focused on this. Well, she's wise counsel for me. Does that make sense? I'm still her boss. <laughs> she's my girl and I'm proud of her. I'm proud of her. Does that make sense? So wise counsel is so important. Next. Cultivate your relationship with God. Now listen, this is really good, girls. There's a lot of emotion in here, and there's nothing wrong with emotion. God created us a tripart being. We are body, soul, and spirit. We are made in the image of God. He is Father, Son, and Spirit. We are a tripart being. This is really good. I wasn't going to say this, but I think I need to. So many of us get all jinky because we don't understand that we have to steward body, soul, and spirit, and they all work in tandem together. We get so religious that we fill up our supernatural spiritual tank, and we let our bodies and our souls just get all jacked up. All right? And so if my body's not well, then my soul and my spirit's not well. Your body is this external thing, but it's also the food I eat, the exercise I get, embracing, taking care of my body, if I need vitamins, all that good stuff. But listen, your soul, listen, this is good, your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. That's your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. So here's what happens. A thought comes to me, I embrace it, and then I behave it. Tammy, today you're ugly. Boy, you're getting old. You're starting to show your age. Look at your body sagging. Your skin looks horrible. That is an actual thought I had this morning. An actual thought. I can embrace that because I can see the evidence of it. And then I walk out that I'm aging and that I'm getting old and that my time might be over. Do you see where I can go with that thought? Or I can do as the Bible says, take every thought captive by renewing my mind. So I look in the mirror, and when I'm teasing up my hair in the back, or backcombing it, they call it today, backcombing my hair, and my, you know when you wave and your arm waves back? One of those, right? And that, my arm was doing it this morning, and then that's when the, the seed of the thought came. Okay, you with me? The seed of the thought came. You used to have toned arms, you used to be in shape, you're getting old. And I, I had to immediately go, and it's been a heck of a ride. Man, have I had a good life. I got six grandbabies. And then you know what I did before God? He's going to laugh. Are you going to tell him? I'm going to tell him, okay? I like him notorious for doing 50 push-ups every morning at my counter. Like, it's just what I do every morning. I do, you know, I'm in the mirror. do my hair. I swear before God I do this. Okay, he knows. And then I do my push-ups. And I always do 50. And this morning, just because the enemy was on my back, I did 75. <laughs> I did. See, you can defy him. Just go watch me. Watch me. Now, see, that your soul, listen to me, your soul, we talk about bodies, soul is your mind. 
I willed that I would not receive what the enemy was trying to bring to me. Your mind, your will, and then the emotions followed it. And I emotionally moved into a place of victory instead of defeat. See, would you steward your soul? You're responsible for your soul and your spirit. Your spirit was quickened alive to salvation. The minute you asked Jesus into your life, your spirit was quickened alive, the Bible says. You are not the person you were. The old things are gone. Now you're, you're saved. Now you've got to get sanctified. That means you've got to get all that junk out of you and walk with him every day and be in the word of God and worship and praise. And gosh, you guys can worship. Woo! I'd love that worship down here watching you guys. That's, that's stirring up your spirit. But how many of you are working on your soul and your body? Does that make sense? You are responsible. You are a tripart being made in the image of God to steward all three dimensions of who you are. And it feels good when we lose a pound or two or we run a race or we say no to that second piece of chocolate cake. The first we give ourselves some grace for. All right, all right. Now come on. Have some discipline in your life. Have some discipline in your life. Nothing makes the, ma the enemy matter than when we have discipline. He hates discipline because he's undisciplined. Literally, I teach myself that. Like if I am feeling prompted to go pray or read my Bible, and I'm like, well, I've already done that. I go do it just to make the enemy mad. I do. See, those are disciplines. Does that make sense? So understand yourself, body, soul, and spirit. We were going to walk through some questions, but I think our time's about done. And um, I could just stay with you guys forever. But anyway, you guys are amazing. Um, I pray, let me see if there's anything else I think I was going to end with. I pray that you guys truly begin to understand what your identity is. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you haven't already, subscribe today on your mobile device to get exclusive new content from Teen Challenge of Southern California. For more information, visit us on the web at teenchallenge.org.